from Bombay's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Chabal. And it's the Friday Vine Pair Podcast, and we're talking to-go cocktails. I wish I had a to-go cocktail right I know, now. Me too. Specifically <laughs> the New York to-go cocktails. But uh, they're back, hopefully. They well, yes, they waiting. are officially back. No, that's right. So yeah. they, we're not waiting for anything else to be get passed. No. They're Most. already back on the menus of delivery services. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so they're back, but they are back with caveats. Yes. And I think that that's like what's more interesting about this conversation, besides the fact that to-go cocktails are back, is that uh, this has been a, a long road for us New Yorkers, right? We had to-go cocktails. <laughs> they came with Cuomo chips. Then, right. you know, we had a bunch of restaurants and bars set up, bottle shops and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then we lost it all one day. When the legislature decided that they did not want to support it being extended. We have a great piece by Tim McCurdy mm-hmm. about how that all went down. And then the governor, Governor Hochul, basically in her State of the State address, promised to bring them back. And mm-hmm. she did so in her most recent budget. So she used a provision in the state budget in order to sort of slide them in. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of wheeling and dealing that has gone into allowing them to come back. And I think what's most interesting about the return of to-go cocktails is what we've talked about a bunch, which is like the power of the middle tier and the power of all these lobbyists and especially the off-premise lobbyists. Right. So a lot of a lot of liquor stores did not want to-go cocktails to come back, which I think is just so stupid. Well, yeah, I think it's interesting because it seems like obviously like there were compromises, right, in yeah. this legislation, which is that um, restaurants can no longer sell full bottles of wine or liquor um, and they have to be sold with substantial food items, right? So not Cuomo chips. To-go or, cocktails do, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Sorry. The to-go cocktails have to be sold with um, food items, not candy, not a candy bar or bag of chips or anything like that. Um, did you also know that now liquor stores – as part of this compromise, liquor stores are now um, allowed to be open on Christmas Day in New York. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's like I like, didn't realize. Oh, we'll, we give, were not we'll give you this too. Yeah, we'll give you this too, just so you're a little less. Uh, if you you whine a little less about this uh, for restaurants, which well, I think like, is really interesting. What makes me so crazy about this too is like, especially with the the mass proliferation proliferation now of like RTDs, RTDs. Mm-hmm. Like they're already selling to go cocktails at liquor stores. Right. So like it's it's not like these restaurants and bars are going to have something that they don't. The only thing the restaurant and bars are going to have is a cocktail specifically made by this restaurant or bar, which a liquor store was never going to be able to have. Right. Yeah. I, I just – to me, this is continuing to be a debate that I don't understand except for the fact that everything is always about money. Right. Yeah, well, like, let me let me add a little context here, and I'm not 100 not going to defend either the sort of uh, the middle tier lobbyists or the liquor store lobbyists. But I will say that one thing that I am modestly sensitive to is that in a lot of settings, um, I don't know if this is explicitly the case in New York. So if I'm wrong about this, please let me know. But in a lot of states, certainly here in Washington State, a distributor can offer different pricing to an on-premise account, i.e. a restaurant or bar, mm-hmm. for a bottle of wine, mm-hmm. a bottle of liquor, etc., and can charge a different, usually higher price to an off-premise account, i.e. a wine shop, liquor shop, etc. And 
I can understand there being a little bit of a concern on a uh, from the sort of liquor and wine retailers broadly that like, hey, if you let that continue to be the case, then these wine shop, then sorry, then these restaurants and bars can undercut us and we can't compete because we can't. They're, they could potentially sell if you know because sometimes I mean I'll, I'll be honest as a buyer in a restaurant I'd get bottles of wine that were like five bucks less for me because it was you know often aimed at a glass pour placement or just mm-hmm. a recognition from the wholesaler that my margin is going to be higher for my you know for anything I'm selling on premise so they're trying to get that wine on my list at a more attractive price point um, or just get me to buy it in the first place and so I'm a little sensitive to the notion that you know in some of these cases um, some of these these uh, uh, purely off-premise accounts could uh, could be undercut, but I think there are lots of ways you can go about making uh, you know t- making that situation less messy without right. kind of creating all this ridiculous these hoops to jump through for to-go cocktails. Because I also, and this is what I want your guys' opinion on this too. Do we? Do you feel like at this point right now, as we as we sit here in April of 2022, are to-go cocktails like a big deal for for these places now? Like, or, or kind of everyone's going out. Like people are right. not. I mean, I'm sure people are still doing takeout. There are probably still some very COVID, you know, uh, cautious folks. But, like, this isn't April of 2020. Like, it doesn't feel – or, you know, whatever, June of 2020. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel as vital to bars and restaurants as it did a couple of years ago. I, I agree with that. I mean, I think I I support this, obviously, for the restaurants and bars, but not because I necessarily want to partake in in it myself <laughs> um, for that very reason. Like if I'm, you know, I'm going to go to a place, I'm going to go to a bar and have a cocktail. I'm not necessarily going to order one home or to go myself. But I, I think that there are people who would still like to do that. And I do think that, you know, I think restaurants and bars are still hurting, right? They're still rebounding yeah, sure. from this. And so if this is an opportunity for them to make up some of that revenue that they lost, then why wouldn't we support it? Obviously, I know it's for only three more years. It's not an indefinite thing. But but yeah, I think it is still valuable to the restaurants and bars that, you know, were hit so hard over the past two years. I think as well, like it's yes, it's not it's not the lifeline it was, but it's a nice piece of revenue. And it is something that especially for the bars and restaurants that are doing a lot of to go orders already. It's just a nice way for them to include this in the meals that are already going out the door. So mm-hmm. if you are ordering from your whatever your version of Grubhub, Seamless, et cetera, is, and you want a cocktail to go along with that burger or a beer, mm-hmm. like the fact that now that can be delivered is very beneficial to the restaurant because, you know, as we all know, you make a lot of your profits on alcohol. And mm-hmm. a sure. lot of people have gotten used to doing, you know, Friday dinner at home now instead of maybe going out because like, oh, I'm getting a similar quality from the same restaurants I liked and it was nice to just do it at home and hang out with my family or whatever. And I think that that is probably a bigger revenue generator and more important for restaurants, especially around the entire state of New York than the idea I think that a lot of people had that like neighborhoods are going to turn into Bourbon Street, right? And we're just going to go and like go to go, you know, bar hopping with to-go consoles and go party in the park. I think there'll be some... um, you know, some of that that happens in, in certain neighborhoods, like especially probably the neighbors that were already notorious for it pre-pandemic. I mean, sorry, in the early pandemic, like the East Village and the West Village and things like that, where you heard of these stories of people just like getting shit-faced in Tompkins Square Park. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, in, in my neighborhood, like, yeah, maybe someone will go and get one or two to-go cocktails and go sit in Fort Green Park. But like 
they're not going to do that as much because yes, you're right. They are now going out. They're hanging out at bars. They're, they're meeting other people out of bars. That's what they, that's what we all want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest sort of case I heard Zach, which is similar to what you're talking about with the pricing is that a lot of, a lot of spirits and wine shops made the case that they didn't get the, they don't get to see the best bottles oh, because, because like the reps are different and there are reps that, and there are certain wine brands, right. That really only want to be, this goes back to our glass pour conversation, right. They really only yeah. want to be at restaurants. Right. But then if you allow these restaurants to also sell bottles to go, they could, you know, potentially create better wine shops or wine shops that have selections that have bottles that you just can't get that then causes maybe customers to be like, well, I'd rather shop at X restaurants bottle shop than shop at the actual wine store in the neighborhood because X restaurants bottle shop has bottles that I like to drink. Cause I already like to go there to drink too. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an argument. I think it's kind of a BS argument, but I do, I do think it was one that was made. Yeah, but this is like part of the the liquor lobby's general arguments, which I find to be completely unconvincing, which is like, we don't want to have to do any work to capture sales. So like, please don't let anyone compete with us. Exactly. Right, like, exactly. Th- mm-hmm. It's already true that that wine, if you're if you're a wine connoisseur, you're going to seek out certain wine shops because they're going to get better wines. They're going to get wines that you're more excited about because the proprietor has connections or they work really hard to secure special bottles that not everyone can get. And if you're just a na- a corner liquor store, a neighborhood wine shop, et cetera, and you don't work at that, like no shit. Like people, some people are going to choose to go elsewhere because they can. A thing that I find frustrating about this, and I'm not a New Yorker, so it doesn't affect me directly, but I think we all in some ways, you know, throughout the country suffer from the, the sort of ways in which this, you know, these, these lobbies, whether they're the retailers or the wholesalers, those lobbies are so powerful is because like, you know, the, the notion that we, we should just be like grateful that we can buy alcohol somewhere is such bullshit to me. And that like, oh, yeah. just because you happen <laughs> to have the liquor license for a retail shop in neighborhood X that like, you shouldn't have to compete. Like it, that's so. Is that a thing? What we, Do they well, make that I mean, argument? I don't think anyone's going to come out and say that overtly, but what they're saying in that we don't want to, we don't, they're saying we don't want to compete. We, we don't want right, competition, exactly. right? Yeah. We don't want anyone else to come in and say, you know, we want to, we feel like we have, you know, you know, and again, it's, I think, especially true in New York because, you know, there are so many of these businesses that are one off, you know, uh, businesses, but they yes. all kind of uh, work together in these lobbying efforts to kind of restrict access to alcohol, you know, not, you know, sometimes couched in sort of puritanical language, but often just in a purely naked sort of business sense. I mean, I get it, right? Right? You know, you've had a good thing going, and if you're a, a long-established liquor store, this mm-hmm. is, in, you know, the pandemic, and, and to some extent, the rise of of you know DTC and delivery services and stuff like that has been the first real challenge to your primacy uh, in you know, you know yeah. since, since prohibition basically ended. And mm-hmm. so, it's it's very true, and I I totally understand that they're you know they want they don't want things to change, like it's mm-hmm. not in their best interest for things to change, but like it is kind of sickening in some ways to see just how much power they have through you know through the act of lobbying through donating to politicians and stuff like that obviously this is not the only arena in american politics where this is the case but it's one that's uh, pertinent to all of us and i think it's all the more uh, frustrating because on the you know we've seen over and over since the pandemic started how fractured and you know not organized the restaurant and bar industry is in this sense i mean there are 
big lobbyists, but they're for the huge, you know, restaurant chains. Mm -hmm. And there isn't the same lobbying effort, um, either at the federal or individual state levels by the sort of restaurants uh, and bars that we tend to talk about and get excited about. And it just puts them at such a disadvantage, uh, even in a fight like this, where it, it pretty obviously is better for the average, you know, New Yorker to have, um, more options when it comes to buying beer, wine, spirits. Yeah. Like it's not mm-hmm. more competition is unquestionably better for consumers in this space. But yet, you know, you have, you know, these powerful lobbies it's sort of working to entrench these, if not monopolies, at least sort of limited access points that can be more easily uh, controlled. Yeah, I mean, I think we we see this all the time, right? That the the lobby is, especially for the middle tier, is going to get involved. I mean, you know, we're seeing this as well with the Provi lawsuit, right? Mm-hmm. Where you know, they are the middle tier is trying very hard, especially the two largest distributors, to stop any other platform from being able to come into the market and allow wine shops and you know liquor stores and restaurants easy ease of ordering, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's because again, like I think you put it perfectly, Zach. Like we don't want to work <laughs> to get these sales. We'd rather work on the lobbying front than work to you know convince consumers. And I think that that's, it's just such utter bullshit. Like, and I do think that the, the culture of drinks is so much for the better if we would allow for these things. Like, it's just, it's so, it's so silly that, you know, we can't just be treated like adults. And I, and I get that there are always going to be bad actors, but it's just, it's also just so interesting to me when you view this sort of, and I know that there's regulation coming, right? But especially with mm-hmm. in certain states, when you view this against the mar- what's happening with marijuana. Sure. You know, and when you look, especially like in New York State now, where it's legal anywhere that you can legally smoke, and, you know, we're going to see shops pop up everywhere. And like, we don't have the technology to catch people smoking and driving, which is just as bad as drinking and driving, right? So you're going to have so many people smoking and driving. And yet, alcohol is this thing that we are like, we we say is going to always have people doing the worst things ever, and you know I think that that then goes into the case that these lobbyists are able to make that says well we're gonna you know we're gonna make it so much easier for someone to be able to get alcohol so we shouldn't allow them to sell bottles or we shouldn't allow them to they must have food you know why can't I have a bag of chips and a cocktail mm-hmm. like it's just ridiculous well and especially because you could very well do that at a bar yeah like no one right. no one's we'll telling you when difference. you walk into a bar that if you order a cocktail at that place you have to eat an entree like that's right, not exactly. how things work and again it comes back to this you know you, you brought up marijuana and i think that's actually a really good point adam because it shows how still completely ensnared we are within the framework of the post-prohibition laws yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, if for alcohol and because these marijuana laws have been written in like this fucking century um they actually reflect modern reality which is like you know, we we want there to be some controls for access to marijuana. We don't want it to be, you know, there are there are age restrictions, but we also recognize that, like, frankly, it's not the government. The government, generally speaking, probably should not be super involved in the minutia of like, you know, who sells this. I mean, they should license and and regulate, but like, they should not pick sides in this industry. And that I think is the part that I find very frustrating is that because of, you know, the way that the the prohibition was repealed and yep. the kind of creation of this three-tier system, which was, you know, maybe well-intentioned when it was created, but is like 70 years out of date at this point, 
it, it's ridiculous to me that like basically the only consumable that I purchase these days that I have to go through a the government mandated you know middleman to get is alcohol. Like mm-hmm. almost anything else I buy. I mean, I can buy direct from wherever the fuck I want. If I want, yep. you know, tomatoes from New Jersey and peaches from South Carolina, and I want, you know, eggs from Wisconsin or cheese from Wisconsin, as we actually get, I don't, no one has to, I don't, the, the, the dairy in Wisconsin doesn't have to sell the cheese to a wholesaler and then import, who imports it into a fucking, imports it into the same country, into the state of Washington <laughs> so that I can buy it. Yeah, it's like, crazy. It's insane. It, it's it's just a stupid, antiquated system, but because it's created these incredibly powerful wholesale uh, companies that have, you know, obviously they're, it's existential for them that these laws remain in place. They're so much more powerful than than anyone else, whether it's, uh, you know, the even the producers, uh, to say nothing of us consumers. And it just, you know, this this whole thing is just a microcosm of the extent to which, like, this parasitic part of the industry is so powerful. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'm going to go get yeah, a cocktail. Sorry, I angry. Because, uh, this <laughs> is, this has just too. been a lot. This has been a lot. But uh, yeah, I mean, I am happy that at least in some form to go cocktails are back in New York. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, this can be a thing that exists in the entire country. And with that, I hope you guys have great weekends. And I'll see you. I won't see you on Monday because I'll be on vacation. But I hope you. Oh, who's on vacation now? I am. Not me. (laughs) Well, we'll see you when we see you, Adam. I will see y'all later. Peace out. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.